Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. I want to thank you so much for coming back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. Today, special guest Demetrius Brown is here to share her story of camping, glamping, and visiting all 50 states. Kudos to her, and I'm so excited to share her story with you. As always, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report with Soraya Al-Olama, market leader for North America for Dubai tourism. But right now, let's get into a little travel news. The United States has issued its first passport with X as the gender marker. This is a milestone in the recognition of the rights of people who don't identify as male or female and expects to be able to offer the option more broadly next year. This is according to the State Department. The U.S. Special Diplomat Envoy for LGBTQ Rights, Jessica Stem, called the moves historic and celebratory, saying they bring the government documents in line with the lived reality, that there's a wider spectrum of human sex characteristics than is reflected in the previous two designations. So when a person obtains identity documents that reflect their true identity, she says they live with gender dignity and respect. The department did not announce to whom the passport was issued. A department official declined to say whether it was for Dana Zim, an intersex Colorado resident who has been in a legal battle with the department since 2015, saying the department does not usually discuss individual passport applications because of privacy concerns. However, Zim was denied a passport for failing to check male or female on an application. This is according to the court documents. Zim wrote intersex above the boxes marked M and F and requested X gender marker instead in a separate letter. Zim was born with ambiguous physical sexual characteristics, but was raised as a boy and underwent several surgeries that failed to make Zim appear fully male. This too is according to court filings. The State Department announced in June that it was moving toward adding a third gender marker for non-binary, intersex, and gender non-conforming people, but said it would take time because it required extensive updates to its computer systems. A department official said the passport application and system update with the X designation option still needs to be approved by the Office of Management and Budget which approves all government forms, but they can be issued. The department now also allows applicants to self-select their gender as male or female, no longer requiring them to provide medical certification if their gender did not match that listed on their other identification documents. The United States joins a handful of countries, including Australia, New Zealand, Nepal, and Canada, and allowing its citizens to designate a gender other than male or female on their passports. Well, if you're traveling or flying this holiday season, you might want to consider or recheck or have some flexibility if you're flying Southwest Airlines because they are trimming more flights. And this is after an early October situation where Southwest Airlines had massive flight cancellations, which cost them nearly $75 million. Southwest blamed their cancellations on more than 2,000 flights between October 8 and October 13 on bad weather in Florida and air traffic control issues, which it says was compounded by staffing shortages. Southwest Airlines has also said that it plans to trim its schedule even more for the upcoming months. This is sure to affect holiday travel. While the airline has said there was nothing nefarious regarding the massive cancellations, their trimmed schedule began in August after operational strains and complaints from labor unions about employee exhaustion. There's a new system coming to Orlando International Airport, and it's called Reservation Lanes. It's being added to the security checkpoints. 
and it's aimed at shortening the security wait time. The new program is called Reservation Lane, powered by CLEAR. In advance of your arrival at the Orlando International Airport, you can reserve a time slot to go through security checkpoints. This is accomplished by opting in and using the app for the service. Once your reservation slot is booked, you'll be able to arrive at the airport at that time. You'll scan your reservation and go through an exclusive and much shorter security line. The new reservation lane program is currently in its pilot phase. At this time, it's a free option available to all travelers at both security checkpoints for all departing flights and for all travelers arriving at the Orlando International Airport. And you can get more information for Reservation Lane at reserve.clearme.com. There is some great news on the horizon, and that is larger overhead bins on planes. Yes, <laughs> no more the scrambling to board as early as possible for overhead space for your carry-on luggage. Everyone is cheering this news and thinking, why haven't we thought of this sooner? We can attribute this to Boeing's Space Bins and Airbus's Airspace XL Bins. The bins offer twice as much space for luggage, providing enough space for every traveler to have a spot for their carry-on. There are many reasons this is a big deal. Larger bins alleviate the stress put on flight attendants when doing last-minute gate checks. Finding overhead bin space has been a challenge for travelers, especially for those who board last on a full flight. And gate checking can be a major inconvenience for not only the passengers, but also the cabin crew. The process of moving and tagging a bag adds time to the boarding process, causing last-minute flight delays and stress for flight attendants. It means you wouldn't have to pay more, like early boarding fees, just to ensure your bag gets in the cabin with you. Historically, overhead bins fill up quickly because more people have carry-on bags, and that's because of checked bag fees as well. In addition to the old-fashioned, smaller bins, and more seats added to the same aircraft. This was certainly compounded when airlines crammed more seats on the aircraft. For example, American Airlines Boeing 737-800 aircraft went from 148 seats to 172 seats without adding extra bins or installing bigger ones. Boeing and Airbus engineered larger overhead bins capable of fitting twice as many bags as earlier designs. Boeing's 60-inch space bins can hold 50% more luggage, including up to six standard size bags, which is two more than its sky interior pivot bins seen on many next-generation Boeing 737 aircraft. According to Boeing, the space bins sit two inches lower in the cabin, which means you have less headspace. But a lower bin will allow passengers to more easily lift their bags into the overhead bin. Boeing said its space bins are an option for airlines, but about half of its MAX aircraft have the larger bins already installed. Airbus came up with the similar design called Airspace XL bin that can carry eight bags vertically, which is 60% more capacity compared to current models. Airlines like Alaska and American have welcomed Boeing and Airbus's overhead bin improvements, with Alaska debuting its Boeing space bins six years ago and now having them on 56% of its fleet. The company said the number will grow as more aircraft are delivered. So basically, you can put your bags in vertically on the side, but that will also allow for more bags to be placed in the bin. And this is rather than placing the bag in flat which takes up twice as much space. Well, congratulations are in order for the first black superintendent of Fort Monroe National Monument. Eola Dance is making history as the first black woman superintendent of Fort Monroe National Monument. The Hamptons Road native was born into a military family. She received her bachelor's in history from the HBCU, Southern University, and A&M College, finding her way to park service through an HBCU recruitment program. She knows Fort Monroe well, stating, I played everywhere you can imagine here at Fort Monroe. I learned to swim at the YMCA and at the Officers Club. I attended vacation Bible school at the Chapel of Centurion. 
I'm also thankful for the community of people that shaped my thinking. Without question, that military environment, I think my father wanted to impact in me the freedoms that we fought for. She's been in the National Park Service for the last two decades, recently being promoted to the superintendent by NPS Regional Director Gay Vitsky. On being the first black woman in that position, Dance says it's definitely surreal. It feels like an honor, a privilege. Certainly, I've been with the National Park Service for 20 years. It's a shock to me to realize that much time has gone by. Fort Monroe is the site of the first African landing in 1619 and the place where enslaved people sought refuge from the Confederacy during the Civil War. The monument was established by former President Barack Obama in 2011. She hopes to help share and preserve the area's historical legacy that spans more than four centuries. According to NPS, as of 2020, only 6.7% of their full-time employees are Black, less than 420 Black women. Dance is a doctoral student at Howard University focusing on the colonial era, women's history, and Black experiences. She said she's grateful to make history as the first Black superintendent at the monument and hopes she can pave the way for more diversity and inclusion in the organization. Well, that time is fast approaching when we will have new entry requirements for the United States. The new travel system adds more stringent testing requirements for unvaccinated U.S. travelers. Starting November 8, unvaccinated Americans will need to take a test one day before departure and test again upon arrival in the U.S. This is pertaining to international flights. Entry requirements will not change for vaccinated Americans. They will still need to show proof of a negative coronavirus test taken no more than three days before departure. Americans will not need to be fully vaccinated to board international flights to the U.S. With the new travel rules for the United States allowing more countries to fly into the United States, airlines are ramping up and Virgin Atlantic is one of them. They've launched new flight routes to start November 8th along with the eased restrictions. It'll be Orlando, New York, and Las Vegas that will see an increase as a result of the new routes. And that'll also allow travelers heading in the opposite direction the opportunity to visit Manchester and London. Virgin Atlantic will fly several different route options daily. Flights from London, Heathrow, and Manchester to Orlando are set to restart November 8 as daily services. Flights from London to Las Vegas will also be taking off every day using the Boeing 787-9 aircraft. Flights from Manchester to New York will initially take place every day except Sunday in November before changing to an everyday service from December. Each of the aforementioned routes have traditionally been popular routes for the airline, with the fact that so many have been starved of travel for so long, expected to see the demand surge. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and a conversation with Demetrius Brown on her visits to all 50 states. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, travelingculturati.com. Connect with me on social media and join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. There's a travel tip circulating on social media from a camping group I stumbled upon. This is a life-saving tip that can actually work for anyone who is alone, in trouble, lost, or in a situation where they may need assistance or for someone to find you, but your cell phone is low on power. If you find yourself in a predicament and your cell phone battery is low on power, Before it runs out, change your voicemail message to say you need help and provide your current location along with your plan. For example, my cell phone is low on power and my car just ran out of gas. My car is on ABC Road and I'm heading north toward a gas station or I'm sitting in my car waiting for help. This way, 
If your loved ones are trying to reach you, but you run out of power on your cell phone, your voicemail message will provide them with the much needed information to find you. As always, stay safe and enjoy your travels near and far. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. I had the pleasure of e-meeting, or shall I say, meeting via Facebook. Our Facebook group, Traveling While Black, Demetrius Brown, posted some fantastic photos and said that she had visited all 50 states. Demetrius Brown, affectionately known as Aunt Mimi, is a multi-talented photographer, early childhood professional, trainer, notary, CNA, GNA, gardener, and world traveler based in Washington, D.C. And as I mentioned earlier, one of our Facebook group members who recently posted about her quest and accomplishment of visiting all 50 states. Well, hello, Demetrius, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. I got so excited. And thanks for sharing your photos with the Facebook group. What sparked your wanderlust? From a child, I always had a desire to travel the world and just see as much as I can see. I grew up in Virginia and we traveled up and down the East Coast, but never really out West. I watched the little travel shows on TV and things like that and read books, National Geographic and things like that. It always sparked my interest. There's always something that sparks it. There's always that memory that we can all go back to those of us who have the wanderlust. When did you begin your journey of visiting all 50 states? When I was younger, I said, I want to visit all 50 states by the time I was 50. So it's 50 by 50. And I started out with I went to Colorado with my scouting group when I was 15 and we got to stay up in the mountains and things like that. And so I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is so awesome. And from there, I said, when I get a chance, I'm going to visit all 50. So how long did it take for you to visit your 50th state? I turned 50 last year. April and in 2020 during the pandemic. And of course, because that happened, I didn't meet my original goal of 50 by 50. We wanted to wait till it was a little bit safer. And then I started up again in the fall of last year to do my quest. The end of September, that's when I made it out to Wyoming, which was my 50th state. I see. And you said as a child, your family traveled on the East Coast, but not yes. out West. So not that, out West. that was an early age that you first started traveling with your family. What would you say, first grade or something along those lines? I, I caught the plane when I was about six months old. I caught the plane <laughs> to Washington, D.C. from down in Norfolk, Virginia. I was down in Norfolk. That's where I was born and raised. So they started me early. Did you have a particular method or plan? Were you separating it by regions? How did you set out to do it? I didn't have it done by regions, but some places that I traveled to, like, say, up to the New England states, I didn't have Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. So I picked New Hampshire as my home base. I flew into New Hampshire and I stayed at a hotel there. But from there, I went out to Vermont and Maine and did day trips up there to quite a few of them. And I tried to keep it within a two hour radius to check out things that I I liked. Or when I went out to Minnesota, I caught the plane out there and then drove down to Iowa and South Dakota. Some states I tried to do together since they were neighboring states. Instead of making individual trips there, I planned my week around a central location. So on any given trip, how long would you travel? Most times it was like five days to almost two weeks, nine days to give me a chance to really get in there and immerse myself into the area and to check out things that I wanted to see. More recently, I was into going to the national parks, especially since it was 
outdoors. I like outdoorsy things and I could explore. I took two weeks in Hawaii because there's so much to see. And I did a little island hopping while I was there. Obviously for Hawaii, you had to do some flying. How much of it were you on the road versus flying? More recently, January of 2021, I flew out to Phoenix. I rented an RV and I drove it from Phoenix all the way over to Manassas, Virginia, which was 2,788 miles. So that was quite a bit of driving by myself. I was the only driver. My niece went with me. She's 19, but she couldn't drive. So we made stops along the way in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, some of those states I had seen before, but she hadn't seen. So it allowed me to cross over the ones that I was missing in the Southwest. So how long did that drive take? It's almost cross country, not completely. Exactly. We did nine days. That one I planned out. We had a rough schedule and tried to stay with it, driving no more than like three hours per day and stopping and exploring like Hot Springs National Park in Arkansas. We went to see Central High School in Little Rock, which happened to happen on the day that the inauguration was happening. So we wore our shirts and we thought that was a nice historical moment for us to be there where the schools were integrated. And on the day that we had our vice president and the inauguration. It was a historical moment for me to share with my niece too, which was nice. Yeah, that's just wonderful in so many ways. You know, again, just sharing that travel experience, getting her accustomed to travel, and then these historic sites that you're able to see. I want to get into some stories because travel makes you a story teller. (laughs) So I want to talk about some of those experiences that you've had in your journey of 50 states. What would you say was your best experience? Hawaii, of course. Just the natural beauty there and being able, when I went to Oahu, being able to travel and drive the whole island in just a matter of a couple of hours, but stopping along the way, Hiking up to the top of Diamond Head, the views of Cocoa Head, the water, the people, the fresh fruit and everything there was just amazing. It was just so much to do. I saw it by land. I did a helicopter ride without doors over Kauai and we got to see the Nepali coast and fly into a dormant volcano. There were just some cool experiences there that I'll never forget. Now, were all of the experiences except for the almost cross-country that you did with your niece by yourself, or were you at some times with other people? I did a combination. I did them by myself. I did a few trips with one of my best friends from college. My mom went with me this year up to Montana and Glacier National Park in Oregon. My husband went with me a couple of times. I was just determined (laughs) to get it done. And I didn't always have someone with me, but other times I did have people with me when it was, you know, maybe a little further out just for comfort levels and things. But then too, I don't have a problem with traveling alone. I've Flew to Florida in December and drove from Orlando down to Key West, hopped a seaplane out to drive Tortugas National Park, which you can only reach by seaplane or by boat, and spent some time there, which was beautiful, and then headed on back home. So it just varies. Yeah. Well, would you say that it's more challenging? by yourself or with other people? Because sometimes by yourself, you can navigate a bit easier than if you're traveling with someone else, especially if they don't have the same travel style that you do. So would you say it was more challenging solo or with other people? With other people. I think sometimes it's a little more challenging with other people. Sometimes we didn't want to do the same thing. So it's like, okay, I tend to be a little adventurous (laughs) And they might stay back at the hotel or 
the campsite or whichever mode of place that we had, you know, there, I might leave them behind and go out exploring some by myself. I'm quite sure you learned a lot. So many different aspects either about yourself, about the destination, just traveling, about America. What was that learning experience like for you? Or what would you say was your biggest takeaway? We have so many similarities with people all over. Sometimes you don't know what to expect. When I was in Montana, you being a Black woman and not knowing what to expect, but I met the friendliest, most welcoming people. Some people really surprised you, you know, with their hospitality or just the warmness welcoming you to their state. I didn't know what to expect. And sometimes you expected to be treated a certain way and I wasn't. So I was fortunate too in that aspect. And I was thankful. (laughs) I just learned a lot. I can only imagine that, as I said, it's such a learning experience in so many different ways because you're getting a chance to experience so many different things trying to visit all 50 states. Now, you said you're an adventurous person. What's the most adventurous thing you've done? Okay. Not just in the States. Could it be anywhere? Anywhere. Sure. Oh, so when I went to Dubai, I did the zip line, the X line. I caught the elevator up 47 stories and zip lined off the top of the building across the marina down to (laughs) the mall. That was, I think that was like one of the most daring things that I've done. It was quite an experience. And it sounds like the helicopter without doors (laughs) is quite adventurous as well. That was adventurous too. That really was. We did a selfie. The pilot, Harry, turned the plane to a side so I could take a selfie with the waterfall. That was wild. But it was daring and thrilling. And also when I was in Hawaii, I did the echo scooter where you go down underwater and the fish are all around you in this little scooter and we were feeding them. That was quite an experience too. Is that the one where you have, I call it the bubble on your head, but it's it's the scuba diving bubble. Yes, Yes. exactly. (laughs) I've seen pictures of it. I haven't done it myself, but I have seen pictures of it. What was a place in the United States where you said, this is one of my favorite destinations that I will come back to and repeat again and again? Besides Hawaii, I also liked Alaska. And Utah, surprisingly, Utah has five national parks. I wasn't able to get to all of them while I was there. So I really want to go back. Arches National Park, just the rock formations and everything were beautiful. A snowstorm ended up coming through. So I had to leave, push up earlier to my other destination so I wouldn't get caught in the snow. So Utah surprisingly, I would tell everybody, take a trip out to Utah. It has so much beautiful scenery. There's something for everybody there. Well, I will confess, I have started watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and some of the things that they do and some of the scenery and landscape, it does make you want to go. So yeah, I've never been. Mm -hmm. Would you say that Utah was one of the destinations that surprised you the most? Yes, actually it was. I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't know what to expect with that one. And I drove up from the Grand Canyon and hit Four Corners, which is on the reservation. And this is the only place in the United States where four states touch. So New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Utah was the fourth one. And they all meet on the reservation. So you can actually go and stand, which I did and said, I was in four states at one time, but Utah was surprising. I know that Utah is a winter destination. What time of the year did you visit Utah? 
It was the end of January, beginning of February. Oh, right around the winter time. <laughs> <laughs> but we were fortunate in that my mom went with me on that trip. We didn't run into any snow until near the end. We were leaving Arches and a big snowstorm was coming into Salt Lake City, which is where I was flying out of. So that's how I cut it short and went up and spent time a couple of extra days up in Salt Lake City. So I wouldn't be stuck. Were there certain times of the year that you tried to do most of your travel or did you actually go throughout the entire year, different seasons and different places? Different seasons and different places. Some places I did go like during, say, the school year because it's less crowded without the children out there and everything. So it varied. I did things in every month, every month throughout the year. Was it challenging on the road during the winter months? Yes, somewhat, because most of the times it was just like trying to plan out to beat the snowstorms, except for when I went to Vermont. Can you believe I waited till the wintertime because I always dreamt of taking a sleigh ride in the snow. And when I got there, they had 63 degrees and all the snow had melted. So the farm ended up canceling my sleigh ride. They said, oh, we'll give you a horse-drawn carriage ride. But that's not what I came up there for. But then, because the snow kept melting, the wheels wouldn't even turn on the horse carriage. So I got a refund (laughs) (laughs) on that. So that was good. So I still have to go back for that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I remember a couple of times here in Chicago, Valentine's Day was in the 60s. And then other times, Valentine's Day was below zero. So yeah, sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate with you. Through this process, I'm sure you may have had some spiritual moments. What are some of those experiences that you had? When I went to Glacier National Park in Montana in August, just riding up through and seeing those giant glaciers and mountains, the water, it was so majestic. It took your breath away. My mom was with me on this trip, but We took a hike out to Avalanche Lake within the park, and you can only get there by hiking or maybe helicopter, you know, and the views you walking through, you're going up and down. And then when you come out and you just see the beautiful waterfalls, the glacier waters in the lake, it was so amazing. I just started singing how great thou art, because you could just feel God's presence there. You know how sometimes you're somewhere and there's no other explanation. Who made this beautiful place? It felt like a spiritual place. It just all I could do is say, thank you, God, and give him praise in that moment for what I saw. It brought tears to my eyes. I know what you mean. When you travel to different places, especially those that have beautiful landscape and you see Mother Nature at work, it can be awe-inspiring. Thanks for sharing that. That sounds like a beautiful, beautiful experience. You shared with me also that you have, is it called a camper or is it a trailer? It's a travel trailer. It's a travel trailer. Trailer. Yes. And you refurbished it. (laughs) So what motivated you to do that, to become a camper, to refurbish your travel trailer? Like I said, I've been a camper my whole life, like tent camping. I was a Girl Scout. Then I was in the Pathfinder group from the time I was 10 to about 16. And even as an adult, I would go camping a lot. So as I'm getting older, I was like, you know, I still love camping, but I wanted a little more comfortable accommodations to go glamping. And so I checked out some campers and things like campers and trailers and RVs. And then I had an interest in vintage trailers and I found this one and it needed a whole lot of work. Oh my goodness. My family was telling me, don't get it. Don't get that piece of junk. Leave it alone. I had it delivered to my uncle's house. The gentleman bought it up from North Carolina and left it in Virginia. 
and I'm in Maryland, but he left it there for me. And my uncle was like, you need to move this piece of junk out of my yard. (laughs) (laughs) But he ate his words later. Like I could see the vision of what it could become. And even my husband, they were like, hmm, I don't know about this. But now she is such a beautiful little belle. Jenny Jean is her name. I named her after my grandmother and my mom. My grandma's name was Geneva and my mom's Gloria Jean. So Jenny Jean, my grandmother, lived to be 99. And she always said she never let any grass grow under her feet. I got that traveling bug from her too. And so Jenny Jean is going to make many travels too. She didn't go all over the USA, but I have plans to take her quite a few places. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What parts of your 50 states did Jeannie Jean accompany you or did you accompany with Jenny Jean? (laughs) Actually, Jenny Jean, because I purchased her five years ago, but the whole process took a long time. I started out on my own, trying to fix her up with some family members, but it became too much and we had to outsource the work. So I just got her back the end of July of this year. So she didn't get to take any of those 50 state trips with me. I took her out in Maryland a couple of times so far now, and she was finished in Pennsylvania. So she's been there. We rode through West Virginia. So I've already started mapping out trips for her for next year where we're going to go on some adventures. What are some of the creature comforts that Jenny Jean has? She has a nice little bed to sleep in. It's a banquette and I convert it to a bed. It's great for one to two people. She has solar power. She has a sink and I didn't get the stove dropped in because I wanted more counter space. So I have a portable induction burner. She has a refrigerator a little potty room and lots of storage. She has a water tank on her so I can boondock without being plugged in somewhere. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask, what does boondock mean? Meaning you're, you're somewhere you don't have like electricity or water source. So she has a 15 gallon tank on board so I can have water on board for her and the solar panel on the top. So I still will have um, lights and things with her so I can be out. Okay. Now, is your husband joining you on some of these adventures? My husband is not a camper. He's an inside person, (laughs) always has been. So this last trip, I wanted to stay in a teepee outside of Devil's Tower in Wyoming, but we got a cabin. For that place, but we were in hotels for this trip because he was with me. He's more of a luxury traveler. How about that? That's what I'll say. My kind of guy. Yeah, that's (laughs) that one. It's me that's the outdoorsy, can do the bare bones. That's me. And so I respect that, you know, for him. So he came with me on my last one because it was my 50th state and he wanted to celebrate this accomplishment. He was very happy and proud of me, but happy for me. So he came along. He does when I do international trips. Yes, he's with me most of the time for that. But other times, you know, the camping thing, eh, no, but he supports me. And what would you say to anyone who maybe you've sparked something with them just chatting with me today that somebody who wanted to set out and either get into camping or maybe try to see 50 states? I would say go for it. Don't give up and don't think that you have to have a lot of money to do some of these things. Don't get deterred. That's what I want to say. Go live your best life. Make a way for it to happen. Some of my trips that I went on. I'll tell you that I was able to find little deals and quirks and things like when I did that cross-country trip from Arizona to Manassas, Virginia, I found a deal online where the RV company, they only charged me $9 per night. They gave me $600 gas credit and 3,000 free miles. So I only ended up coming out of pocket $100 on that trip. 
Wow. Because of the special that they were having, they refurbished this RV. It didn't even say Cruise America on the side. They had painted it. They had a buyer in Manassas and I drove it back over here and it didn't cost me much of anything. And the gas ended up being more just because I added my other little stops in trying to meet my goals. But don't give up. Find a way to do what you like to do and go for it. That is fantastic. Well, if someone would like to follow your journey, what's your website? My website is www.auntmimiplace.com. So again, that's auntmimisplace.com and Mimi is spelled M-I-M-I. M-I-M-I. Yes. Demetrius, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, It was such a pleasure. And I can just visualize some of the places that you've been and very impressive. So thanks again for sharing your story with us. Uh, Thank you so much. And I do have an Instagram if you guys want to check that out too, where I have pictures of my travels. And if you have a question or just want to chat, go ahead and leave me a message and I'll be happy to talk to you. Okay. And your Instagram is also Aunt Mimi's Place. So thanks again. Yes. And Jenny Jean, the vintage Scotty. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, TravelingCulturati.com, is where you'll find all of your information and where you can follow us on social media and join the travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. Dubai is buzzing with excitement, in large part due to Dubai Expo 2020. However, Dubai is truly a top destination and has been for some time. Dubai is a constant with new attractions and adventures to keep it an exciting destination each year. It's unique because of its mix of culture, beaches, desert, and of course, modern marvels that surpass many around the world. Joining me today during a lunch meeting is Saraya Al-Olama, market leader for Dubai Tourism. Welcome to Traveling Culturati, Saraya. Thank you so much, Javon. It's such a pleasure to be here with you this afternoon. Dubai is an incredible destination. We're a destination for everyone. We have over 220 different nationalities in Dubai, so you can see how multicultural we are. We're also a destination that is open to all types of budgets. So obviously we're an incredible luxury destination, but we also have incredible experiences, accommodation, and attractions that suit all budgets. All types of members of the family can enjoy Dubai as well, from families to couples to solo travelers. And of course, we're also, in terms of COVID, we really handled it very well from early on. We had a very good control over the situation where we were able to open our doors to international tourists July 7th of 2020. And we were also one of the only destinations to be open to American travelers as well. Yeah, this is a very precarious time that we're in right now. And we are looking to those destinations that have handled it really well and that we're going to feel safe and secure traveling to because that's really one of the number one questions, all of the what ifs. And I certainly think that Dubai checks all of the boxes in that question. What if? Because we do have to still deal with the pandemic as it is happening. And we have been there a couple of times in the last year. And so we know firsthand that it is very safe and secure. And of course, that's a relative word, but you have to do all of your due diligence. And I think that Dubai makes that very easy to get there and setting up all of the protocols that are necessary. So whenever you're picking a destination, you really have to kind of think about how they handled COVID, how they're currently handling COVID, and then also your trip back home. And Dubai has certainly done that. But let's talk about why Dubai and why now, and especially a company like ours that has no less than three programs going to Dubai in the first quarter of next year. So what's happening now in Dubai? 
So right now in Dubai, we are having Expo 2020, which is the World's Fair. So it's actually taking place here in Dubai, and it's a world record-breaking expo. It's the first time that it's ever taking place in the Middle East and North Africa region. And we also have a record-breaking participation. So 192 countries, almost the entire world, present in Dubai to celebrate human ingenuity in all forms and just celebrate cultures from all around the world and showcase some of the latest technologies that you know will pave our future. So that started October 1st and it's going all the way till March 31st 2022 so six months of basically an incredible celebration and it's honestly something that shouldn't be missed. I was just there a few days ago before traveling over here to Chicago and it's just really exceeded our expectations. It's Incredible. It's something, like I said, for everyone in the family. There's a lot of kid-friendly activities, a lot of nightlife opportunities, great dining experiences, 60 live events every single day. So there's always something happening at Expo. What a perfect theme for World Expo and that it's in Dubai. Technology, ingenuity, because that's certainly what Dubai has been about in the last 50 years. It's a destination that has just blossomed. (laughs) And so many modern marvels that has been on the world stage and the world has been watching. And so to see it culminate with the World Expo and congratulations on it being the first in the Middle East and North Africa. That's huge because the World Expo happens every five years, different countries, just like the Olympics, for example. They try to become the host for the World Expo. And so Dubai won that for 2020. And so here we are in 2021 because the world had to move forward (laughs) to 2021 and 2022. And we're going to be there starting in February with the Michael Basden Travel Club. That's going to be our first group there in February, February 15th through the 22nd. We then have the Advantage Elite, Advantage International Group that's coming on the heels of that. (laughs) We're going to be there the end of February and to the beginning of March and adding on another ultra luxurious destination, which is the Maldives. So that one is Dubai and beyond. And then we're going to finish up in March with AfroZones, Dubai Sound Off. And that will be March 3rd through the 9th. And in all of those, we will be visiting the Dubai Expo. So I'm so excited to see what's going to be happening there. What are some of those must-do and must-see attractions? We know there's the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, but you're always coming out with something new and something exciting. Yeah, great question. I mean, like you said, there's always something new, something, you know, super big happening in Dubai. So some of the new attractions that have just opened up are Ain Dubai. So that's the biggest Ferris wheel now in the world. But what's really incredible is it gives you a completely different view of Dubai. So instead of, you know, the standard skyline that you always see in Dubai, it's showcasing the Palm as well as the Dubai Marina. So breathtaking views and an incredible experience. We also have Deep Dive, which just opened. So it's the largest indoor diving experience basically that you can do in the world so again another incredible experience and then beyond that obviously some of the other must-do activities is the cultural side of Dubai so seeing the Al-Fahidi district which is our oldest neighborhood where you can see some of the most incredible architecture and just understand a little bit about you know where we came from at the beginning and how we started off as a humble fishing village and turned into this modern metropolis that we are today And then obviously no visit to Dubai is complete without seeing the desert. It's absolutely unreal when you go out there. And I know that you have that included as well on some of your trips. We certainly do. And that is a magical experience because you go at sundown. And so as the sun is setting, you're riding the sand dunes, real sand folks, nothing manufactured here, (laughs) but four by four wheel drive vehicles and you're up and down over the mounds and sideways and a couple of times we've gotten stuck, but that's part of the experience. (laughs) And with the three different trips that we have, we're going to have different experiences on the Dubai and beyond with Advantage International. We're going to have a champagne cocktail at sundown. But on all of them, we're going to dine under the stars in the desert. And that's another magical part of the desert safari or the desert experience. And then also in the desert experiences, you have a lot of cultural experiences that are part of it too, that people can really participate in. So what are some of those activities at the desert safari dinner or dining under the stars that you can expect? 
So really, do you try to make it a very authentic Emirati experience so that you understand, again, our humble beginnings as nomads and basically the way we used to live back in the day in the desert? So, of course, there are camel rides. So you understand how we used to traverse through the desert back in the day, you know, as our source of transportation. A lot of the guides on site also are very educational. So they talk about the vegetation we used to eat back in the day if we had a stomach ache or how we would navigate looking at the stars. There is a henna artist, you know, which is, again, a very cultural, I'd say, form of... We normally do it for weddings and other big events, but, again, it's beautiful, you know, hand-painted art that you can put on your hands that's very cultural. And then, obviously, the food, you know, ways that we used to cook in the desert, you know, so, for instance, eating lamb that we would cook under the sand, etc. So some of those, I'd say, are, are the top authentic experiences. And then, of course, the falcon show. So we used to use falcons to basically hunt back in the day. That was the only way that we were able to sustain ourselves in the desert. There's something that I always think about because of conversations that I have with individuals who are considering Dubai or thinking about Dubai. We think of Dubai as this singular place, but it's part of the United Arab Emirates. And so I do want to give everybody a sense of what that means. Is it by region? How many regions are there? Is it by city? Because the two we know about are Dubai and Abu Dhabi. But there are how many regions or you call them states or emirates? So that's the kind of information that I want to talk about because I think a lot of people really don't know that. Great question. So the United Arab Emirates comprises of seven emirates. So obviously Abu Dhabi, as you mentioned, our capital, and then Dubai. And then other than that, we have five others. And some are really also becoming major tourism destinations. So Sharjah is really well known for its art. It's about 30 minutes outside of Dubai. Ras al Khaimah as well, about an hour outside of Dubai. That's amazing for hiking and resorts. You know, obviously Dubai is an incredible destination where you could spend seven days and, you know, not even see half of it. But at the same time, we do work very closely with other Emirates to promote ourselves as kind of a mono destination where you can experience different sides of the country. Well, Soraya, thank you so much for joining me today and telling us why Dubai is such a fantastic and exciting destination. Once again, folks, we're going in February. We're going February 22nd through March 3rd. And then with our extension to the Maldives, we also have the Michael Bayston Travel Club, who's going February 15th through the 22nd. And then AfroZone's Dubai sound off and we're going to finish up there March 3rd through the 9th so you're not going to see us here in the United States from February to March we're going to be in Dubai (laughs) so if you want to join us make sure you head on over to the website advantage-intl.com well that's it for the show today wherever you go go with all your heart Confucius ladies and gentlemen this is Traveling Culturati we explore cultures and destinations We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.